0: College basketball heat check. Heat check one two one two. We are back. Excited about another full episode with my man Eli B. He's gonna be dropping crazy knowledge. So get ready. If you don't already follow that the, the handle at Heat Check CBB on Twitter and heatcheckcbb.com, um, you have to follow because um yeah, it's just too much good content going on over there. So that being said, we have the founder of Heat Check here. We're going to do some Heat Checking today. We're going to start out with the hottest teams in the country, which, quite bluntly, are the two undefeated teams. USC still not getting a lot of, a lot of national conversation. We're going to talk about them here, and we're also going to talk about Baylor. Just continues to do it again. It's amazing what they're doing. Uh, they had a huge win against Iowa State, uh, then turned back around and got another win against TCU. Uh, so they are still rolling. So, yeah, we'll let Eli jump in with the Bears first at number one and then go straight to uh, USC after that.
1: Yeah, we we touched on a little bit last time we talked about the undefeated teams, but with Baylor, I think to follow up last year's dominating year, the way that they bounced back from two COVID pauses, and to win the national title against a historically good Gonzaga team, and then to follow it up with this start given the loss of – three starters and maybe four of their five best players from last season. It's remarkable. And it's such a testament to Scott Drew's staff and they have such a way now. And it's crazy to think where this program was 20 years ago to just be this consistently good and dominant in what could be the deepest league in all of college basketball. But I think a lot of the credit needs to go to James Akinjo, the Arizona transfer. And he was, obviously seen as one of the top transfers in the spring uh, leaving Arizona, but I do think there are question marks about whether he could do it on an elite basketball team because he got most of his production on Georgetown and Arizona. Those weren't tournament caliber teams. And I mean, he's replicating his stats that he had in his previous years. He's still efficient from deep. Uh, He's a great assist man and he's really setting the table for this Baylor team. And I think, if his production wasn't what it is this season, there is no way Baylor would not only be undefeated but just playing at this level. And of course, he's not by himself. Like Kendall Brown, the freshman, he's been incredibly efficient. Adam Flagler, he's starting to find his his rhythm uh, from three-point range, which is what he's a, a specialist in. But I think some of the, some of the other uh, role guys on this team, Matthew Meyer, uh, maybe he's not. An all-American, like some thought, but he's been productive. Uh, Jeremy Sochan, uh, he's been really good as a freshman. So it's it's been impressive to see this team develop over time. L.J. Crier's a ridiculous three-point shooter. It's so a lot of these guys who weren't playing many minutes last season or weren't even in Waco are now stepping up and they're playing to an elite level. And uh, it's I don't know when Baylor's going to lose their first game, but. Man, they're already starting to knock on the door of a one seed uh, come March, and it's it's impressive to just see what this Baylor program is doing year in and year out, given where they were at 15, 20 years ago. When Scott Drew has taken, taken on a lot in Baylor and turned them into a legitimate national title winner and now le- legitimate contender every year.
0: Yeah, kind of jumping into that uh, in its own way the blue blood, even though they're green, you know, they're jumping in that conversation almost like a Michigan state with Tom Izzo. You just kind of know, not a traditional blue blood, blue blood, but uh, was created to kind of be one. And you see that same thing from Baylor right now and what they're doing and the momentum that they're riding. Uh, the, the impressive part about this team thinking about last year's team and how well they defended uh, their number seven and Kim Palm defensive uh, adjusted defense efficiency but they're also number four offensively. Uh, So to be able to be top seven in offensive and defensive categories uh, is absolutely ridiculous, not to mention uh, their offensive rebound percentage. They're at six in the country, uh, according to Ken Palm. Uh, Their turnover percentage is number five. I mean, you're talking about unbelievable video game type numbers uh, for Baylor. And then you have, I read something, uh, Here just the other day where a guy says, uh, what separates Baylor from being, uh, excuse me, from everyone else in the country? They have eight caliber starter quality players. Here's a team that's ranked their eighth most impactful player as measured by uh, EvanMaya.com. You may be familiar with this. It says all of Baylor's top eight players are ranked in the top 200 in the country. Uh, in the BPR, which is pretty remarkable. So uh, shout-out to Evan uh, Maya on on that uh, comment. But, yeah, just to be able to have that level of depth and talent and to be able to be has good, kind of like you said was uh, earlier today when we had another conversation about another team. You know, it doesn't matter the names anymore. It's just you just know Baylor's going to be there, and you know they're going to defend. You know they can score, and it's just incredibly impressive what this team has been able to do. And talking about impressive, uh, we have one other undefeated team who doesn't get as much conversation. Um, but USC is still undefeated and they lost what could be one of the rookie of the year candidates and uh, Evan Moberly. So, talk about USC. How are they still undefeated? Is this team legitimate or is it just that they haven't played the quality opponents that people think they should?
1: I, I mean, I think this team's legitimate, I think maybe they aren't number two in the nation next to Baylor, but I do think that this start has certainly cemented USC as a team that could go deep in March and they defended at exceptionally high level. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Isaiah Mobley, Evan's uh, older brother um, who's still hanging around in LA and he's really developed this season. He's uh, more of a, I would say more of an inside out presence than his, his brother Evan is and really Talented three point shooter, but he does a lot for this team. He takes care of the basketball. He rebounds on both ends and he's just very steady. And he's got a a good class around him. Uh, Boogie Ellis, a Memphis transfer, now returning back to the West Coast. I think he's been really, uh, you know, settling into a role that suits him well. And I think questions about maybe USC not defeating that type of signature win or, or. having that signature win to this point, those are probably legitimate um, remarks. I think the best win to date uh, for this USC team is probably a neutral site win over San Diego state. But I do think a lot of credit has to go to a team that is efficient on both ends, has NBA level talent, and they've been able to win some of these games that could easily be slip ups. I thought, I thought Cal, to be honest, was going to either come close or, um, Being able to beat uh, USC this past Thursday, I thought that was a trap game against a Cal team that's been really good at home. USC was able to pick up that road win and they've, they have several road wins already on their slate. A lot of these top 25 teams Mm -hmm. either haven't played a road game or they don't have a road win yet. So I think that needs to be taken into consideration, but USC is going to finish the regular season. If they continue on this pace uh, and they're, they're very balanced on both ends, take care of the basketball they're going to end up with a stellar win-loss record come Pac-12 tournament time, and that's going to position them for a pretty high seed in March Madness. So I think it, it absolutely is time to take this team seriously. I think, of course, kind of as you attested to, maybe they don't have that signature win yet, but given that you know half of the top six right now in the country is Pac-12 teams, they're they're going to get their chances against really good teams. So maybe it hasn't happened yet, but when you have to go and, and play UCLA or Oregon or uh, some of these other uh, Pac-12 contenders, I think it's there's there's going to be plenty of opportunities there. So,
0: Yeah, just talking about their team, again, kind <clears> of <throat> what makes them great. Another really strong defensive team. Uh, they're adjusted defensively, defensively by Ken Palm. They're 19 in the country, but they're number one in effective field goal percentage defense. So uh, defensively, that's the where they're hanging their hat. Right now, and that, again, that always travels, that always carries. So uh projected, it looks like they have a 25-ish type win season, which is a special one, and could be hitting that conversation for a number one seed And when it's all said and done. I know people don't see USC that way, but you're about to talk about the West Coast basketball and kind of how that's an underrated topic right now. So we'll jump from USC and talk a little bit about the Pac-12 and just West Coast basketball kind of a hot topic that's not being talked about
1: yeah yeah i think uh west coast basketball needs needs more respect i think i'll just start off with that and i think last year
0: the seattle guy he's (laughs) put it down
1: absolutely absolutely but i think i think last march was a big statement with the tournament being played in indiana and indiana rightfully has a reputation as such a basketball state and that's not going anywhere and that's not to discredit that but the Pac-12 and Gonzaga really made a statement last March, and they dominated the tournament. And some saw it as a fluke, um, but to to see where the league is at right now, Pac-12 has at least three legitimate Final Four contenders, and they've even had teams that were projected to be a lot better that that haven't even been up to their level. Like we thought Oregon was going to be really good, they haven't gotten there yet. But that isn't to say that Dana Altman knows how to turn his teams around, but Arizona, UCLA, and USC—all in the top six. Gonzaga is in the top six. That's that's four of the top six teams out on the West Coast. And um, I think, I mean, a lot of these Final Four contenders happen to be out west. And given what we saw last March, I think there's uh, there there needs to be more respect or more attention given to these teams. And I, I think, you know, it is it is kind of difficult when. Uh, maybe these teams aren't in the spotlight. I know there's jokes about Pac-12 Network and the accessibility of that or some of the late tip times. But I still think when you have some of the most impactful teams in the sport, uh, you would generally want to follow along with those teams and see what they're about. But the talent level's high. There's five stars out west. you um, have spoken with some of the other programs out west, like maybe San Diego State. It doesn't get enough credit uh BYU even out maybe Nevada has been good in recent years so um I think the depth of the Pac-12 especially in a year where the ACC might not be as high as it usually is uh, I think a lot of respect needs to be put the Pac-12s way given the way that they've performed and the way that they have several legitimate uh final four contenders and teams that will make an impact in March
0: yeah I would agree and I think um you know just talking about those teams that are up there in the West Coast is not getting as much love. Uh, The ACC, by many estimations, is a little bit down. So you think the West Coast could get a little bit more love. Part of it is just, you know, everybody's asleep by the time West Coast is still doing what they're doing. So uh, no one's paying as much attention. But, uh, no, I think the WCC, you just look at the conferences, the WCC, uh, the Pac-12, and the Mountain West, uh, some elite-level basketball being played, hopefully in some of these mid-major uh leagues will be able to get multiple bids. We hope this year as some of these high major leagues may not have quite the resume yet. Um uh, but we we know that's uh we don't get to make those decisions. We would all have more mid major teams, but we know there's uh something else that drives it and power fives have the money so sometimes that has a factor. So, we'll move on and talk about uh let's talk about some player shoutouts. Um we normally do this every week. Player shout outs the players playing really well uh let's start out with the transfers uh we'll let you get a pick first and then i'll throw one out there and we'll just kind of highlight uh one guy piece
1: yeah so i'll i'll just start with charlie moore uh from miami an undersized guard who's made a really big impact and i see i see his name tossed around a lot because he has bounced coast to coast you know along the country and hasn't really found his footing, but I think now he has, and he's he's made a really great impact on a Miami team that has shocked a lot of people to this point. There aren't many guards that can go into Cameron Indoor and pick up a, a conference win, and Charlie was able to do just that, but uh, his shooting numbers are up. He's uh, he's taking better care of the basketball, and he's really just taken on a good role with this Miami team, and you know he's bounced from Cal to Kansas to DePaul and either had – not a big role or had a big role on a team that wasn't winning much, but now he's, now he's a starter uh, playing on a Miami team that is making some serious waves. And so he needs to um, receive some well-deserved credit for the way that he's stuck with it. And he's, he's bounced around. He's, he's obviously moved quite a bit, but he's now in Miami. He seems to have found a really good home and found the program that, that suits him right. And uh, he had some big plays on the stretch against Duke. And he had a circus shot that, um, that that uh, helped Miami seal the victory against Duke, and that's a win that's not going to be taken away or taken no. very lightly. So that's a that is a really big deal. big deal, big deal for for Charlie Moore to settle in and get that job done.
0: Yeah, big deal. And Miami is, uh, you know, quiet as this kept. They've really had a good season. I don't yeah. think many people are talking about uh, this Miami team, but uh, they're 13 and three right now, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, playing some high level basketball. So. Um, yeah, very good all-around guard lineup that they have. Um, but definitely uh, love to see what all those guys are doing. Charlie Moore, uh, Cameron Mcgusty, Isaiah Wong, if I'm not mistaken, those guys are playing at a super high level. Um, so, yeah, got to give them credit and uh, their team. I was going to shout out later for just what they're doing um, under the radar and being able to beat Duke kind of puts you on the map to people start taking you serious. You've only lost three games all year. You do have high-level guards, and we all know guards win you big-time games. Uh, And speaking of guards, I got one I wanted to shout out myself, uh, one of our teams of the week. Uh, But the transfer, and I'm going to probably not say this name correctly, last name, uh, but Loyola Chicago's Ryan Schweiger. Is that how you say it?
1: Yeah, I think Schweiger. Schweiger. Okay.
0: Forgive me, Ryan. I don't know how to say your name correctly. I should be on that, but um, please forgive me. What a baller. So, obviously, they had a monster week. Uh, One of the teams we highlighted to have uh, as um, on coast-to-coast with Kevin Sweeney as uh, the mid-major team of the week in Loyola, Chicago. go against San Francisco in a huge game on a neutral floor, kind of last-minute scheduled. Similar to Colorado State, who we talked about on the Mount West show, um, hadn't played in a long time. They come out, and they played really well in the first half and second half, and were able to get a, a big win against San Francisco, who uh on Sean Paul, our good friends, uh ranking his mid-major rankings, he has them one and he had them one and two. So monster mid-major win uh for Loyola, and then they take a really good Bradley team. They go to overtime with him. And I've just I've heard about him. I know the staff they've talked about this young man, uh the Ivy League transfer, but man, I don't know. He's a second league score. He comes off the bench. I don't know if he's their best scorer if he had more minutes on the floor. I think he's doing it in like 19 minutes a game. Uh, but just playing at an enormously high level, has an old school game, can score really at all three levels, but an elite level three-point shooter, but just kind of has a swagger where it's like you just feel like he puts the team, I don't want to say on his back, but he just makes these plays where maybe the team was on a balance in that game against San Francisco, he makes big plays. Same with Bradley. He just has uh, a lot of courage Uh, as they would say in the locker room, he has some, some, some big cojones to make some of the shots that he's making and take some of the shots he's taking. So, uh, that would be my transfer player. Shout out. Um, let's go rookies next. Uh, let's go freshmen next. Who who you got for us?
1: I got uh Jabari Smith from Auburn and I think with all the The, the, hype around
0: projected number one pick by many people.
1: Yes. Yes. Now he is. And, uh, you know he he's got the five star label. He's playing for a top five SEC team, but I think his presence was really overshadowed by Chet Holmgren and Paolo Banchero uh, yeah. from Duke, and and that's and it makes sense because those are two really gifted players. But Jabari Smith has been incredibly impactful. The way that he uh, is able to step out and shoot threes, he defends at a high level. He's a, a good rebounder, and. He's made such a dramatic impact on this Auburn team that it's surprising so many people. There, there were a lot of headlines about the SEC heading into this year. Alabama, Kentucky, uh, now LSU has gone off to a really hot start, but Auburn is now creeping into the top five. They've got an extremely talented team. They're they're banged up, so not even at full strength quite yet. But Jabari Smith, to to be a 6'10, 220 pound forward. That shooting forty five percent from deep and rebounding at a high level and and blocking shots and stealing passes like this guy's an absolute monster and um, uh, it's it's nice to see that well I mean he's gonna he's gonna make a pretty pretty good bag here in about twelve months but uh, his stock has really risen quite a bit given the impact he's had on this Auburn team so it's it's really been a pleasure to watch.
0: Yeah, he's he, he's as good as he's as good as it gets. Uh not a whole lot to be said <laughs> that you didn't say. Just his ability to make shots, I think is something people have really uh given him credit for with his size, his athleticism, and his ability to just make difficult jump shots um is makes him almost virtually unguardable, which has him at the top of uh many people's draft boards. Uh big one tonight for Auburn. Uh they play Alabama in an SEC matchup when the SEC is As good a basketball is being played in the West Coast, the SEC this year uh, is really wide open and has some great ball being played. And almost every night, you're seeing NBA players go against other NBA players, and obviously great level coaching as well. But uh, my freshman that I wanted to shout out, uh, we're going East Coast. We haven't quite touched the East Coast. Uh, This young man's from Wichita, Kansas, and that's Jackie Johnson from Duquesne. Uh, Had a big game. uh, Got a. Um, freshman of the week in the A-10, uh, had a 27-point game. He was two, 7 of 7 on all of his two-point field goals, uh, 3 of 7 from 3. Uh, but one of those young fellas that as the year goes on, you know, freshmen that play a lot of minutes will just continue to get better. And I just think as a guy who's been able to really play some major minutes and have some highs and lows, now that he's getting into conference play to have that kind of performance kind of settling in, um the three of seven from three is good, but the seven from seven from two, uh really impressive from him and leading his team to a win, a team that's been up and down because they do they are really young where most people are going transfer portal. Uh so just to see some freshmen playing big minutes and leading the team to a win, uh always great to to see. So wanted to definitely shout him out. Um let's go breakout players next. What are you thinking on that? Uh E?
1: Yeah, I t- I touched on him a bit earlier, but I'm going with Isaiah moley from USC and the way that he's kind of been working in the shadows a little bit to some of the other higher-name guys that have, that have gone through USC in recent years. But he's I mean, he's really had a, a breakout season and doing a lot of great stuff on both ends of the floor. There's so much talent in the Pac-12, some of the names uh, that you have, Johnny Juzang, Benedict Mathurin from Arizona, a lot of really talented players out in the Pac-12. But Isaiah Moby has been quietly been one of the top 5 players in this league and his impact has been no sort of excellent on an undefeated USC team that like we talked about earlier they're they're going to have a great record come selection Sunday so it's uh it's just a matter of time before he and this this USC team uh, gets a lot of praise for what they've accomplished so far because he's he's been great um, playing in this kind of stretch four role and he isn't necessarily the the big menace underneath like his, like his brother is, but he's a little bit more stretchable. He can play at all three levels and he's just made a huge impact on this USC team.
0: Yeah. You talked about how good USC of course is. So,
1: um,
0: he is leading the way and I don't know if everybody thought he's going to be an NBA guy, but they're probably changing that conversation now, uh, with how well he's played and in a different, not maybe in the shadow of his brother as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to go uh, mid-major. I'm going to go with my breakout. I'm going to go Malachi out at uh, Chattanooga. Uh, I'm gonna I'm just going to read a little bit uh, of a small write-up blurb uh, on this young man. Um, but, yeah, just played at a super high level. I'll go ahead and read this a little bit. It just says, Smith checks all the boxes when looking at guards who make teams significantly better. Uh, there's nothing the 6'4 guard doesn't do. Scored 20 points a game. Rebounds makes plays on defense. Smith is not only the best guard in the Southern Conference, but one of the best guards nationally. If Chattanooga lost, In Chattanooga's loss to Murray State, he had 36 on 14-17 shooting, one of the most uh, efficient performances you'll see. If the mocks make the tournament um, as an 11-12-13, could take a deep run because of his play. I mean, right now – uh, in this particular article he is um projected to be the SOCOM player of the year so just wanted to give him his flowers just a sophomore uh, from what i from what i have on this side um so to be playing that well that young uh we've had coach uh parish on before last year uh they've done a tremendous job and uh he's done a great job leading the way uh, and in that that article uh was again from the homie sean paul shout out to him he, does a little article blurb, and I actually liked uh, what he had written there, so I wanted to read it and give, out, give a give shout out to Sean Paul on that one as well. Um, and if you don't know Sean Paul, you got to follow him as well, Sean Paul CBB. Um, and then lastly, we'll go with the uh, on fire player. Who you got? Who you got for this one?
1: Yeah, I got Antoine Davis from Detroit, and he's. I mean, he is such a all
0: time leading scorer at
1: Detroit. That's- That's right. That he he has that label now after this past week and he's played, I believe, ninety three or ninety four career games and he has never finished in single figure scoring. He's scored at least ten points in every single game that he's played in. And he's gone over forty a number of times, he's gone over thirty a ton of times. And if you wanna talk about guys who can hit crazy shots, Antoine Davis it I mean, I I joke a little bit, but it's it's almost like he he aims for a higher degree of difficulty on some of these makes that he has, but he's able to beat you off the ball, off the catch, uh, just he can hit from virtually anywhere on the court, and he's uh, I just hope for his sake that Detroit could find a way to the tournament because having a a player of Davis's caliber, the way that he can put up thirty in a hiccup, that would be absolutely electric to see in a March Madness environment. So. He's going to go down as one of the best scorers in the history of this uh, of this sport at the college level. And playing for his dad, Mike Davis, and being a, a former walk-on, it's just a really cool story. And, and he's going to go kill it, whether he goes overseas or finds a carves out a role in the NBA. But um, you know, it, with him now being a senior and he's got his extra and things like that, you do not know how many more games he's going to play. Uh, at the college level. So we got to enjoy it while it's here because he's he is a special, special talent.
0: Yeah, been special since the day he uh, got on campus. I mean, obviously playing for his dad. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing him when he was a sophomore in high school playing uh, homeschool ball for Ben Perkins out in Houston when I was at Lamar. It shows my date that he actually committed to uh, and signed with him. I was taking Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. Then his dad gets the job at Detroit goes with dad and the rest has been history. I mean, he's just been uh, amazing to be able to put up the numbers he's put up so consistently. Um, And no one, I don't think anyone works harder at their game. Uh, Dad and him are in the gym constantly. I got the coach in the league against him and see it up close, try to scout against him to try to take the ball out of his hands and make it hard for him. And uh, whether it's on the ball or off the ball, he just has an ability and he's put so much time into his craft. So Love to see it for Davis. Congratulations on being the all-time leading scorer. You're representing Texas and the Texas guy as well. You know we always love that. (laughs) Uh, And Eli picked the Texas guy, ladies and gentlemen. We got to love Eli. He picked the Texas guy. So we love that. Uh, My guy will also be Texas, also from Houston, uh, and that's Kendrick Davis on fire from uh, SMU. Uh, Really is – I mean, he's, he's been an elite player, um, at SMU since he's been there. He was a really good player at TCU his first year there. But he he's playing like the American player of the year right now. He's playing at a high level, almost video game numbers, uh, if you will. Um, 21 and a half a game, five rebounds, five assists, uh, shooting 48%. Um, I don't know if the Mustangs are in the tournament conversation right now. Um, obviously, one bid league, any, anything can happen, but As far as elite point guard play, I don't know if there's a point guard playing better in the entire country than Kendrick Davis right now. So the way he's leading his team, the way he's playing on on all facets and his efficiency level, uh, he's, you know, again, one of those guys that wasn't really regarded as a, I mean, that's the one thing I'll say about Texas. I can say about probably a lot of places, but, you know, there's so many good players there that some of these guys that are, and Kendrick Davis is not the tallest. He's not necessarily the fastest. But, man, is he tough, smart, knows how to win. He's a competitor and a gamer. So uh, shout-out to Kendrick Davis and ending our player shout-outs. And uh, now we'll go to uh, – we'll shout-out a couple more teams. I've kind of shouted a few. I'd like to give Miami their their love for beating Duke. I think that was big time. Uh, Loyola Chicago has proven that they're one of the best mid-majors in the country uh, continually, and Coach Drew Valentine, you just got to give him his credit too because he's – doing it on the offensive end and the defensive end as a coach in year one, the youngest coach in the country. So want to give them their love. And then uh, our HBCU teams of the week, we actually picked two this week. Uh, Kevin and I were coast to coast. One of them is Chicago State, who never really gets talked about on anything. Uh, started the year out, and it's a really challenging job, brand new uh, head coach and He's done a terrific job, and they started the year 2-0, and oh, which I don't know if that's happened in a very long time. Uh, and now they're at five wins and just got a, a great conference win uh, against Cal Baptist. So just want to give them their flowers because uh, competing at a high level and, and Cal Baptist has a player that NBA scouts are going to watch. So mm-hmm. the fact that they can win that game against someone who I picked as uh, my freshman uh, last time we had this episode uh, and Taryn Armstrong, uh, to be able to go in there and get a win, it says a lot about their ability and just just their fight. You know, it's not an easy job. Got some stuff stacked against them. I don't know if they know what league they're going to be in next year. So, shout out to them. And then Paul Quinn is the NAIA in Dallas. Got to represent home again. I know it gets annoying, but I don't care. <laughs> Hardly home, but always repping. Um, I'd to coach Brandon Espinosa. Uh, they're 13-0, uh, playing as one of the best NAIs in the country. They're one of the only three that are still undefeated. Uh, It's one of the best starts in school history. Uh, They just got the new court that's kind of gone viral uh, as far as like the new court design. So if you haven't seen it, look up Paul Quinn college basketball court. Uh, They have a really cool uh, skyline of Dallas that has some historic Mm. um, things around it as far as, uh, as far as um, social justice is concerned. So uh, yeah, wanted to give shout out to them as well and I'll pass it to, Eli, let him shout out a few teams, and then we'll talk about some upcoming games and let you guys roll.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I love the love the Chicago State shout-out. Uh, I think that they've been at the bottom for so long, and it's awesome yeah. to see this program taste some victory and, and get the big, big conference win their first, I think, since 2018 this past week. But uh, as far as my picks are concerned, I already touched on Jabari Smith, but Auburn has to be mentioned here. Uh, the way Bruce Pearl has built up this program and there there are some similarities here with with uh at least a trajectory with Auburn under Bruce Pearl and Baylor under Scott Drew the way they've just they've really just taken off um, under their leadership um, and Auburn's now a legitimate final four candidate and Walker Kessler coming over as the UNC transfer he's been Possibly, maybe the best shot blocker in the entire nation. He and Jabari Smith—that's just a ridiculous front court. So Auburn's been really good. They have some huge tests coming up, as is life in the SEC. And I think one of the teams that also deserves some some credit here is BYU, and they had a very significant loss and losing Gavin Baxter, who was supposed to be their five, in what is more or less kind of an undersized Cougars team, but. They've now picked up some some decent wins under their belt uh, to beat St. Mary's. That's a big one, and now the tests continue. They have to go at Gonzaga and at San Francisco, and if they can split, then they're they're uh, I think they're doing just fine. Obviously, they don't want to go for a split here, but going on the road in the WCC this year will will not be an easy task. And uh, this team can defend at a, an exceptionally high level. Alex Barcelo sets the table and uh, can really hit from deep. So. BYU is a team that I think a lot of a lot of people are giving credit, rightfully so, to maybe San Francisco, St. Mary's, some of the other teams in the league, but BYU is going to, be, going to be right there when it's said and done. And then finally, I want to give a shout out to the WAC, uh, the New Look uh, Western Athletic Conference, bringing in the likes of uh, Abilene Christian and Stephen F. Austin this past year, Lamar's in the league. Um, this is a, it's a New Look Conference, and... Man, is it fun. There, there are legit four or five contenders now in a whack that has, I mean, for more than a decade was pretty much just dominated by New Mexico State, winning almost every single league game, cruising through the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Grand Canyon's now made a run these past couple of years, but you throw in some legitimate legitimate contenders here in Abilene Christian, Stephen F. Austin, uh, Seattle U's got a good program. Tarleton State, a fairly new Division I team. They're right in the running. And if you're looking for a league that defends at a high level, this is, this is going to be your choice because uh, these teams, they force a ton of turnovers. They love to defend. Abilene Christian Stephen F. Austin, they were staples in the Southland for just wreaking havoc on the defensive side for years and years. That hasn't changed under new head coaches, so uh, this will this will be a race to the finish. I don't know what the final record will be of the eventual number one seed in the WAC, but I would have to imagine they wind up losing a handful of games because it is it is geographically a tough league. When you we talked about Chicago State, you have to go to Chicago State, you have to go on the West Coast, you have to go down to Texas. This is a tough league. It's got great defenses, and it's going to provide. Plenty of fireworks every single night so um definitely definitely keeping an eye on the because it's gonna be a fun league to watch uh, these next couple of months
0: yeah fun league indeed and here on uh all access we're actually having our first uh second kind of conference uh our second our first new show uh to go dive into a conference we have the mountain west show with eli which uh if you don't know that we have our first episode coming up um but we have a whack hoops show coming up uh this week as well so stay tuned for that our guy Kyle McDonald does a great job covering the whack whack hoops digest so we'll dive in deeper to the whack um I think we're almost done uh Eli what what a a great show yet again so heat check anything else shout out wise or that you'd like to point out I will say this for us um and I'll make sure I got all the details right but Uh, Rising Coaches is doing an equality and um, inclusion night. Uh, That will be basically the time period between February 10th through the 22nd. uh, Inviting teams. Uh, We've sent out the pins to be aware with the equal sign, just kind of giving recognition for equality and inclusion. Um, So excited about getting this going and, just kind of bringing some national attention um, to a topic that is near and dear to our hearts and don't want to let that die down after uh, the pandemic has happened. So want to give a special shout out to Rising Coaches Di Alliance. I'm fortunate to be a part of that. So I want to acknowledge the inclusion and in, uh, excuse me, quality and inclusion night, which is the 10th of February through the 22nd. So share with a friend, We'll be promoting it. Uh, that month is also Black History Month, so. Um, but any anything for equality and inclusion, it can it can represent a lot of things. So we're excited to get programs behind that and uh, just kind of spread love uh, from a national college basketball stage standpoint. So that's all I got. I'll pass it to my man <laughs> to let him close.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a good show. We've had some. Really great interviews on the show already this season and uh, hitting that stretch around these next couple of months so things start to gear up and hoping everyone's staying safe and healthy so we can, can do what we love doing and then all the players are able to participate in these games and uh, go from there. But another another really fun show. Always always good to hop on and talk about all these hot topics. So, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, we'll, I made Kevin do a, do a funny show story at the end. I should make you do one, but since your your hair is so on point, his wasn't. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a pass today, but next time we're going to get you. Uh, but, yes, you're right. on, uh, on YouTube, Spotify, Spotify Apple, uh, all the good stuff. Let's see if I got a funny story. Let's see if I can think of one real quick. Um, nope, I don't have one. All right, next time. We'll get oh, you uh, guys. <laughs> wanted to build it up. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, You know where to find us.
1: Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your
0: legacy.